listening to Fed by Ravens with Matt and Adam. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Adam. <laughs> I'm pretty excited about day 71 <laughs> and day 72 Woo! of our Old Testament reading. You yeah. are, uh, if you're listening to this, you are engaging in something even bigger than just reading the Bible. You're hearing the Bible which is uh, how the Bible was passed on through generations. So we are trying to keep alive the oral tradition. We've been trained in the scriptures. We don't claim to know everything, and we're going to run up against some things we don't understand. But we're going to orally continue this story to the people of God who care. All right. So today are some pretty money, I'd call them money chapters. Yes. Wouldn't you? Yes. Uh Yeah, if you have stuck with us and have even been reading Leviticus, we are now in the sweet spot of Leviticus, 25 and 27. Pretty excited about them. All right, chapter 25. Oh, Matt, 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 Matt. Leviticus, uh, you start to recognize reading these, 25 and 26, you recognize why... Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy are all the world needs mm-hmm. because it's the words of God. And then the rest of the Bible is kind of chronicling what happened. Yeah. But it is so clear. There's so many great themes. The first one is the connection to the land and to Sabbath, right? So yes. in 25, God starts out saying, the land must Sabbath. Mm-hmm. You must Sabbath and the land... And I'm connecting because it's his creation, and all of his creation is set up to operate in these six days of work, seventh day rest, eighth day, recreate, start Mm -hmm. over, you know? And it it is created to work that way, like a car with oil. If you do not oil this thing, it will die. My sister did that to one of the original Hyundais. Man, uh, yeah, that sounds hard to do. My dad bought a Hyundai before they were even known to be good cars back mm-hmm. in the 80s, and then she didn't change oil for two years, and it just stopped working one day, never to be recovered <laughs> until those years of work were uh, that it missed out on. At, anyway, I'm starting to ex- try to ex- yeah. put, put moving what's on. happening, moving on to the car. But uh, this, the Lord spoke and said, okay, the land must rest. Yeah, so the this idea was every seventh year, they were just to stop working the land. Right, stop. Take a year off. Don't reap. Don't sow. Just let the poor eat off of it. Let the animals eat off I it. I know. I love how it says, let the your, your, your hired servant, sojourner that lives with you, the cattle and wild animals, right. eat off this whatever just grows. So it's essentially God is saying, every seventh year... You get a whole year of not being mastered by work. Oh, man. Can you imagine? And, no. And so I the, cannot. Actually. And so the question is, in verse 20, and if you say, it's very practical, Leviticus, what shall we eat in the seventh year if we do not sow or gather in our crop? It's a legitimate question. Yes. Like, how are we supposed to eat? This isn't practical. And God himself says, this is powerful. I will command my blessing. That's... Like I'm telling my blessing on you in the sixth year. So your sixth year of production will be so abundant that it will produce a crop sufficient for three years. When you sow in the eighth year, you will be eating some of the old crop. You shall eat the old until the ninth year when its crops arrive. 
So in other words, in case you don't understand, whatever you produce in year six will not only feed you for year seven, but it will feed you for year eight until year nine is ready. Yeah. And by year nine, you're already two years into before you hit your next one. Oh, man. <laughs> you know, then you only got yeah. five years before you get to rest again <clears throat> or four years. That's so great. Doesn't that make sense to your soul? Mm-hmm. Like, that just makes sense. And, and then the other idea is an even greater oh, Sabbath. Even greater. Which is the year of Jubilee, which is the 50th year. So after 49 years, so seven Sabbath years, mm-hmm. in the seventh Sabbath year, you are going to have this extra special year called the year of Jubilee. And it's a total economic reset button it's a reset for everything that god allotted from the beginning yeah so in the beginning he says when you get into the land Mm -hmm. he's going to allot tribes to land yes he knows that over 49 years deals will be made people will become rich or poor they'll sell their land they'll lose their land they won't work it some will be lazy some will be capitalistic but every 50th year Mm -hmm. we Remember that the Lord has given this all to us and the Lord has allotted it to us. He's given us a gift that no one can take away. Mm -hmm. So restore your brother what is his. And he's fair about it. He even says, like, if you just bought a piece of land, like two years before Jubilee, Jubilee, you get the you get your value back for it. Like you're supposed to like make sure everybody it's a fair treatment, but you're resetting everything. And then if you have any like Hebrew servants or people who have debts to you like they are set free and all debts are canceled all debts are canceled all financial debts all deals (laughs) year 50 any debts you owe just canceled your credit cards are wiped we all start over that's like the whole idea of that old movie fight club where he's trying to reset everybody you know you get reset to what the lord has for you in his land oh my gosh that sounds because he says and so he very clearly i mean he ties it all to the land, too, because mm-hmm. the land is the source of how he's going to provide for his people. And he says, you know, if you keep, well, before I even say that, if you keep, he just says, you have this year of Jubilee, and it's connected to God's inheritance for you. Yeah. And what pollutes the land is when you're unable to recognize that, that will create or set people free. That's what creates wars, uh, divided when- kingdoms, exiles. When you stop recognizing that the land is the Lord's. You are strangers. Like the Mm -hmm. Lord, God is saying very clearly, you guys are the strangers. Don't ever get so confident. You're different than Egypt. And now you are going to be redeemers, little, like little representatives Mm -hmm. of me for the guy who's in debt. Every 50 years, there's a day coming. Mm -hmm. Even if it's 40 years away, there's a day coming when everything will be reset, my son Mm -hmm. or my grandson. And the mess that I got you in will be forgiven and you'll get uh, another chance and we're going to be redeemers for one another, loving and restoring the people of God the way God does. I do like the, um, so in the latter part of 25, yeah, uh, the idea that when your Israelite brothers become poor or in debt, like take care of them. Don't take advantage of them. Yes. Like they let them work for you, but don't treat them as slaves. Don't treat them as anything. And do not, whatever you do, let them go out and be sold to, like, sell themselves to foreigners. Right. Like, keep them here. Make it easy for them, at least to the point that they can get to the year of Jubilee. 
and, and be released. And even um, the kindness to the poor, basically he says, <clears throat> we don't make slaves. Mm-hmm. We're, not, we're not like Egypt. Egypt made slaves of their own people. Right. We're like God, and we redeem our own people. You know? And then it made me think like how important it was that Jesus was our brother. Right. So that he redeems us. Anyway, I, I, yeah. can't, I can't just jump to Jesus yet, but... But it it's pretty great. And then they have, like, a whole plan of family redemption. Oh. So, like, if you do get in debt and it's before the year of Jubilee, your family has chances to redeem you. Like, if they have the money to, like, pay off the debt or buy your property that you sold back, they can do it. And it's just, it's really cool. It's just really cool. Like, he's structured out, like, this system to keep you from being taken advantage of, from taking advantage of others from working the land, like yeah. stripping it. It's, it's really just amazing. But the thought that God can provide for you in one year for the next three, it's like, duh, but still a shock to our system. Yeah. Do we have the faith? Well, uh, God then says, here's what will happen. Like, I, I'm tying to the idea of Jubilee. So you have God promises a land flowing with milk and honey, mm-hmm. a place, but then, and we come from the Garden of Eden. Right been separated from that. He promises a land yes. flowing milk and honey. And then he sets up this whole Levitical priesthood. Mm-hmm. At the end, he says, now here's the relationship to the land. You let it rest, and I will take care of you. Yes. Now it's starting to look more and more like what we understand, heaven. There's a restoration <laughs> to what things were supposed to be, right? Yes. So Jesus comes to restore, and he will restore things to what they are were intended to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but here's how. Ver- and chapter 26 gets a little bit hardcore, right? The beginning yeah. of it's beautiful. The second part is scary because well, it's blessings and curses if you obey or disobey yeah. what the Lord just said in 25. So here's how I'm seeing it, right? Yeah. It is crazy. And in, in, in the current world we live in, mm-hmm. To think, I can take a year off and be provided for for three years. Right. Like, that's crazy. Like, start working the year before knowing that I won't see anything from that. When I come back to work, I won't... It'll take a, a while to get caught up, but I'll be provided for even in that. Yeah. Um, it's crazy. And yet, this is what God in 26 says. If you obey me, if you follow my commandments, if you love me, and just be my people and do the things I'm asking you to do, I will take care of all of this for you. And he goes into great detail. Like, he starts off, basically it's the first two commands. Like, mm-hmm. Don't have any idols and keep these Sabbaths. If, if you do this, I will. And he goes on to say, I will bless the land abundantly. I'll give you bread. I'll give you security. Think about the two things we need. Every culture mm-hmm. needs food and work. And security, that we're not going to be attacked. We're not going to be, uh, you know, enslaved by any other people. God himself says, I'll give you food. I'll give you security. I'll give you peace. There'll be no fear. I'll keep you from all violence. I'll keep you from beasts mm-hmm. killing your kids. I'll give you victory. So when you are attacked, one of you will kill 200. It'll be easy. You'll be fruitful. You'll multiply. That's verse 9. Yeah. You'll be fruitful and multiply. You're, everyone will be fertile. Mm-hmm. Everything you touch will grow. God will, and then the greatest part yeah. of it is God says, I'll dwell with you and I will walk among you. Does that sound like something you'd want? And 
your the last verse. Oh, and the last verse. Well, verse, verse 13? 13. I know. This one I, I had to write down. He says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt that you should not be their slaves. He's redeeming us from slavery, bringing us into a promised land where he will be our God and our king and our provider and our protector. And he says, and I have broken the bars of your yoke and made you walk erect. This is what God says. And all you, don't worship another idol and keep the Sabbath. Yeah. I actually believe I will take care. Live as if I'm actually going to take care of you. Right. And guess what? According to history and to the Bible, Israel didn't keep one jubilee. Or one Sabbath year. One Sabbath year. They didn't last. They didn't even do it once when they got to the promised land. Mm-hmm. By the time they got to year six, they weren't even thinking about, like, forget right. it. And I was thinking about that. Yes. It's because maybe some people tried. Yeah. But it needed to come from the top, right? Mm-hmm. And if it didn't come from the leadership, if I'm not working, but you are, right. I'm going, wait, he's making money, and now I'm insecure. Like, uh, we all have to do this together, or it won't work. And also, if... In the sixth year, you're hitting such a boon that you're gonna you have enough for yeah. three years. Like when you peak, the hardest thing to do is to walk away and right. go, sweet, I, I got enough for three years. We've gambled. And when you're winning, you're yeah. like, Why would I stop now? Why would I stop now? And I think that's basically the temptation of every person is right. God blesses you six in the sixth year and you're like, I'm gonna double down. I think I I think I did this. I think I can work and get even more. But I'm realizing this is why it was to the priests, because it requires strong leadership and yes. saying, everyone, this is counterintuitive to the nations around us, counterintuitive to your own heart and your own fear, but we are telling you the truth. Stop working. And we need to do it. Now. But the leaders, and that's why, I mean, I have to jump to Jesus. Like the obedience of Jesus as our king is so important because he can usher in jubilee for us he can usher us back to the resurrection of all things and the recreation in a world where this becomes true. Okay. But the so, second half. So one, one of the points I wanted to make in this first half is yeah. these things seem impossible. Right. It's peace it's, and on every level. Right. It is a pure act of God, an active work of God to keep a nation in peace and prosperity. It would require a God to live and walk among you. Right. Now, in the pun in the in the next section, it's <sighs> if you do not do these things. If you don't, if you worship an idol and you don't keep the Sabbath years this and is jubilees what's and days, this is what will happen. And, and essentially, it flips. And it's well to me because I think what happens is everyone like just goes to oh God's being really harsh. No, but it's this is what every other nation looks like without God. Yes. Yeah, welcome to the world. Welcome. This is actually not impossible to imagine. Right. Panic, disease, heartache. You sow your seed in vain. It doesn't always grow. doesn't mm-hmm. always work. There's failure. There's hunger. Uh, other people are constantly trying to conquer you. Military defeat. Uh, and when you are being conquered and like crazy stuff goes down. Like, yep. they get pretty graphic about, like, eating your kids and stuff. Yeah. Oh, well, that happens. In but that kings. happens in sieges. Yeah. You get sieged until you're so starved out that you eat your... Eusebius talks about yeah. that, even after the fall of uh, the temple in 70 AD, but also in... The first it's, temple it's and recorded several in the sieges. 
Those who hate you shall rule you. You Basically, God says, look, you'll be scared all the time Mm -hmm. because the world is full of devils and full of anger and rage and murder. Mm -hmm. There'll be drought. Oh, I love that line about drought. Oh, pride-breaking drought. There's a line where it says, it like breaks your pride. So like those of you who are great farmers and you can Mm -hmm. work, well, when a drought comes... You, you don't know what you're doing anymore. Right. And you're like, did I ever know anything? And that's the kind of insecurity we all deal with as men and women uh-huh. trying to provide for ourselves. It's pride-breaking. I thought I was good at something, but I'm not. And now I'm dying. And everything around me is dying. The land will be fruitless. Wild beasts will be let go. There'll be lots of death. Yeah, and it just keeps getting worse. Like, And actually within this, you see God giving an allowance of... Um, a, for them to turn their hearts. But he's like, if this happens and you still don't turn your hearts, then it's going to get worse. He's like, I'm, and then what happens is I turn against you. Then I turn against you. I have to turn against you because you are polluting and misrepresenting me. And, but let's just not even make it a spiritual thing. You're mistreating the land. The land is a very real character and you are abusing it. That is not cool. Just like today, it's not cool to abuse a child or a woman or a, Another person, we're not going to go, oh, well, we incarcerate you. Mm -hmm. You lose freedom. And there's this line, too. It says, you eat but are not satisfied. (laughs) Does that not sound, doesn't that sound like our culture? Mm -hmm. When are we satisfied? When are we happy? When have we seen enough of something? When has someone's life been ruined enough that we stop trying to ruin it more? Ever? Yeah. So it ends with exile, and God says, look. Yes. For every year you don't do this. I will exile you, and the land will get its rest because God is a loving God, and he loves his creation, which includes us. And so he's not just going to let... us and the land. It's like, I have three kids. It's okay. Get some coffee now. Mm. Mm. Today is sponsored by Yummy Coffee. Back to the show. If I have three kids, and if one of my kids destroys... If the older one destroys the younger one, I'm not like, oh, it's okay. Right. The earth is one of God's kids. Like, right, right. he cares about it. All right. So he, it's going to get its Sabbath. But in verse 40, there's a big but. Okay. He says, but confess your sins and the sins of your fathers. Mm-hmm. It's not just your sins. Like, yes. oh, we're individualists. No, you, you need to repent for what your parents have done. They've oh, messed man. it up. That's a good line. The sins of the fathers... God will remember his covenant. You know why you have to ask forgiveness for your fathers? Because that's how you're blessed also. You're blessed by the covenant he made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Mm -hmm. And so you're also cursed by the sins of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You're cursed by what your fathers did, and you're blessed by them. If they sinned and you recognize it, don't act like, well, it's not my fault. I didn't have anything to do with it. I didn't do slavery. Mm -hmm. I didn't do... You know what? Wrong heart. Right. Repent. We're all connected in this. Mm-hmm. We're not individuals in this. We are connected as people of God, and we need to uh, understand we're under leaders. We're under people, and they have failed us, and that's why Jesus has to be our king. But God says, I will remember you. And then there's this cool uh, promise where when you're in exile, if I have to exile you, mm-hmm. see, I will. God will thrash you at home. Right. But if you once you get separated from the land... He will remember his covenant, and he'll, he will not wipe you out in the foreign land. Right. Because his heart is to reform you and bring you back to it. Mm-hmm. But the land's got to recover because you've beat it up. Right. You need to learn because you've been a jerk. 
And then I'm going to, his heart is always to reconcile and redeem. But see, we think reconcile is like, oh, just let it go. Mm-hmm. See, just let it go and we'll be fine. Promise just, not to hurt the land again. Just ignore the abuse. No, there, in real reconciliation, there has to be healing and there has to be uh, death <clears throat> yeah. of a behavior, death, and, and then growth for the, the thing to come back. And so he will not wipe out his people in exile, but right. he will not let them continue to abuse the land. Okay. Man. We have to keep moving or else we could spend more time on this. Um, Chapter 27, and then we're done with Leviticus. We're done. The book, the Bible reader slayer. It's funny that this is the the book that always ruins people's read through the Bible. I know. And then you miss out on Jubilee like the Israelites did. Oh, so I was going to say, yeah, like (laughs) Jubilee is, is another, like, expression of heaven like we know that god is interested in restoring us to the earth mm-hmm. forever and ever with peace security victory fertility everything we've ever dreamt and of. freeing us from generational bondage and debts and rest yeah into rest forever and ever yeah all right okay that's, so that's all in leviticus 27 man. we end with uh voluntary vows so the main idea, and it, this is kind of one of those that's like we don't have enough information on. So, Ad, like Adam and I do not have enough information yeah. on this. There are people out there who do. Yeah, and uh, the to our best understanding, it's addressing when people make vows to God, like I'm going to do this, or it's a a request that they're like, Lord, please answer this prayer. One of the most famous ones is with Hannah where she asks God for a son, and she says, if you do give me a son, I will give him back to you. Um, And so that's the kind of vows they're talking about. And people would back it with different things. They would back it with themselves. They would back it with an animal, um, with land, and with money. And so it's just kind of breaking down the rules for how you back it, what it means. And and really, it's another way. It's like a, an offering of thanks. Like, thank you, God, you answered my prayer. Here, take my service. I'm going to serve the temple for a year. Or uh, take, here's goats to feed the, the Levites. Here's land for the Levites to work and um, have for 50 years. Like, and that's just kind of the idea. Yeah. It's, it's just provision for God's people and out of a thankful heart. And the stewardship of God's house mm-hmm. and his presence among his people. Awesome. Leviticus, man. Leviticus is a truly exciting book, and I feel like as much as we got into it, there's so much more to learn. Yep. Pretty great. Pretty great. So, let's move on. And let's finish another book. Let's finish another book. What, a what are we doing day. today? All right, our New Testament readings are Mark chapter 16. Luke, chapter 1, verse 1 through 25. All right, so let's finish up Mark, chapter 16. All right. Oh, man. You know, I always, it's, I don't know why it's hard for me to settle into the idea of the reality of angels, because as we read through the Bible, angels are constantly being mentioned Mm -hmm. and involved. Yeah. But still, there's like a part of my mind that is like, are angels real? But I really believe in them. I just want to confess my love. Good. Thanks, angels, for uh, being the... Because Jesus talks about them as the gatherers, the reaper, the harvest mm-hmm. gatherers, and mm-hmm. 
And then they're showing up, they're singing at creation, they're singing at the end of all things, they're, they're bringing messages. And in today's, we'll get to, um, well, we see two, two angels. Yeah. The end of Mark and the beginning of Luke. Yeah. That's why I was like, oh, it's the end and it's the beginning. It's all, they're always there at the end, the beginning, the middle. They're singing at Jesus' birth. Like, yeah. it's just really cool. Angels. So the stone was a problem. There we go. Right. The stone was a problem at Jesus' death. Jesus is now buried. His friends are mourning. They're like, what do we do? And we just, I guess, have to grieve the loss of this amazing person. And so the women go in the morning. And Mark always emphasizes the fear, like fear slash authority of Christ. Mm-hmm. And, and their problem is we're too small to move this stone. They go, the stone is moved, and there's an angel sitting there with some instructions. And they have to say, don't be afraid, because angels apparently are like big dudes. Yeah. Or beans. I don't know if there's... Well, I mean, the the only thing I can ever really think of is the people's response to Moses after him Smart. being in the presence like of God. Yeah. And they're like, cover up your face, Moses. It, even the reflection of God's presence is too much. And so the idea is angels are constantly in the presence of God. And so when they show up, they are shining and reflecting the presence of God. Hey, man, that's a good one. And Did you intense. just come up with that? Yes. I like that. Thank you. Uh, it's never been connected for me. Well, You're right. You're exactly right. And we got that from the transfiguration. Went back to Moses. Yep. Cool. So, yes, angels are scary. Not because they're... I was always thinking because maybe they're muscular, giant dudes with swords set aflame. But in reality, maybe they're just... They are sweet little cherubs, but their faces are reflecting the beautiful terror of the presence of God. (laughs) Whoa. Beautiful terror. It's like... That's the name of a book. Yeah. All right. (laughs) I just come up with titles. No content. Um, So... Yeah. This is the story of resurrection. Yeah. So, again, so uh, traditionally, like in the earliest manuscripts, Mark kind of just ends here at at a very quick like. Uh, the angel gives this instruction to the women. Says he's gone up to Galilee, very much like in Matthew. Yeah. We saw this in Matthew, and um, and they left. And in Mark's narrative, they left astonished. And trembled, and they didn't say anything to anyone because they were afraid. And, and then it just kind of ends there <laughs> with fear. Um, but other manuscripts include the rest of Mark 16. And honestly, reading it and understanding who Mark is, it keeps within the theme. It's not, and it's nothing like totally new or shocking from yeah. any of the other narratives. So it seems to be consistent. So... At worst, it's not hurtful. And all it means when it says the earliest manuscripts is, uh, without giving a long lecture on how the Bible is kind of compiled. You don't want to know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it, you just trust us. It's cool. It's, it's cool, you guys. So in this last part, you have Mary Magdalene, who is impacted by Jesus in a great way. She was uh, the one, they're told he's alive, he's risen. And they go and, and tell the disciples, but no one's believing her. Mm-hmm. And then um, finally he appears to... It's a quick reference to the road, road to Emmaus. Yeah, Emmaus. Yeah. And then so to two other disciples, but no one believes them. And then Mark, in this version of it, it's funny. Uh, Jesus appears to them, but he rebukes them in their unbelief and hardness of heart. Which Where, is a term that Mark has consistently used. So it's kind of even not hard for me to believe that... 
like someone added this back in who knew Mark or it was Mark and was like, yeah, they were still did not get it. Well, I think it's a Peter and I think Peter, you know, <laughs> Peter's telling Mark how, how it went yeah, down. Yeah. Matthew says from his perspective, Jesus says, peace be with you. And that's, I no doubt that Jesus said, peace be with you. Right. Peter is in the same room and he sees Jesus's face and knows like, Peter's I, like the older brother, right? Like I did not believe those women. Yeah, he's like, I didn't believe it. And Jesus like probably said, peace be with you. Peter doesn't hear it because he's obsessed with all of his failure. And then Jesus says, why don't you guys believe him? And so when Peter tells Mark, he's like, this is another way where I didn't get it. Mm-hmm. I just did not have the spirit of God. And I was so, and Jesus rebuked us for our unbelief and hardness of heart because we didn't believe. And that's where Mark Mark hears <clears throat> Peter talk about it and says, mm-hmm. that's, how, that's how it went down. And that's really, and when we read the Gospels, God is using the personalities and yeah. the perspective of the author, which is very cool. I'm right. very glad. We want more um, angles of the same event. It right. doesn't hurt anything. It helps. And then he basically has this, his version of the Great Commission. Mm-hmm. Go out into the world, proclaim the gospel to the whole creation, and then... Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And so um, to the early church, and as it is even to us today, baptism, uh, faith and baptism are linked. Yeah. That there's saving work of God. Baptism is the work of God. He gives us faith so that we believe, but uh, we we are assured of our salvation in a work of God. Mm-hmm. And God says, I will wash you and cleanse you with the washing and regeneration of the Holy Spirit in this plain water that's set apart by my word because it's setting you apart. Yeah. Very cool. And then uh, this next part, people have gotten weird about. Yeah. But again, the idea is these signs will accompany those. Like, it's not like a guarantee. Like, people want to use this as yeah. like, I'm guaranteed to do this or like... Well, we, immune from poisons and stuff and it's like okay obviously not but these these are signs that you will see among the people of god and we see this like in stories with acts and if you have all and stuff if you haven't read this we're referring to uh where mark says look you'll you'll cast out demons you'll speak in new tongues you'll pick up serpents with your hands and and you'll drink deadly poison it won't hurt you mm-hmm. and you'll uh, lay your hands on the sick and they will recover and so there, we're referring to groups of people who act like this is the commission, like mm-hmm. go pick up deadly snakes, go right. drink no. poison, go do... And when we read it, I think plainly, it's plain meaning is this is the kind of stuff that accompanied the disciples. Yeah. We saw this stuff. Mm-hmm. And he knows Paul, mm-hmm. you know, and Paul has seen this stuff. So mm-hmm. it's like, don't be surprised. when. And remember, Mark's whole thing is there's power and authority over the authorities of this earth. Yes. So over the authority of death, over the authority of kings, over the authority of sickness. Mm-hmm. And so um, it's not saying, now go pick up a serpent. Right. It's saying, the Lord will be with you. Yeah. Cool. Man, Mark. Mark. So good. And then we get into Luke. Markety Mark. All right. And I figure um, we will be in Luke for a while, so you can give us some introductory remarks, but... Yeah. The basics. Give us the basics on Luke right now. The basics of Luke. Okay. So first thing is Luke and Acts were considered kind of one letter, one document. Uh, We have them separated up uh, because we call Luke a synoptic, it's part of the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. 
because they kind of follow the same narrative. Mm-hmm. John is set apart because John actually follows a different narrative, right. which is cool. Because he sees those have been written, people a, got it, now he's going to give he gets a different a, perspective. Yeah. Different angle. Um, Luke's basic thing is he is trying to highlight the Holy Spirit, the works of the Holy Spirit, prayer, and the marginalized. Mm-hmm. Um, the letter is written to the most excellent Theophilus. Theophilus means uh, lover of God or loved by God. And uh, so you could read it as most excellent lover of God. Uh, the idea, though, is it's the most excellent Theophilus is potentially a Roman pro-council. Most excellent is a title that would be given to them. And the current pet, like, faint, like nice, yeah. like the favorite idea that people like to run through, the theory, right is now. that this is a pro-council who's going to be representing Paul before Nero when Paul has to go up and give stand trial to the emperor, to Caesar. And so Luke is giving him a narrative of the gospel and then the fruits of the gospel in Acts. And this Ano- is what he's doing. Another uh, way to look at it, too, mm-hmm. I've, I read was Luke is just saying to those of us who are already in a church, we're yeah. wanting to learn more, and or we are uh, interested in becoming Christians. He calls literally us. It's written to those of us who are excellent, faithful friends or lovers of God. Yeah. And so you can call That's yourself great. a lover of God. So this is written mm-hmm. to a lover of God, either personally or an actual person, and like most prophetic things, it it's usually both. It's it can be both. <laughs> um, so that's pretty cool. Yeah. And so as we get into it, we realize Luke is uh, educated. He's very smart, um, and he is trying to teach us who Christ is. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So we have in the days of King Herod. It starts at the beginning. Which. Um, I can't remember if I've said this already, but King Herod was uh, set up by Augustus Caesar, or Augustus Caesar, and was claimed, given the title, King of the Jews. And right. so this is the era that Jesus, the Son of God, is being born into. Um, Zechariah is a priest; he's one of many, and so at this point, there's tons of priests, and they're set up by the has uh, the Sadducees. And who don't believe in angels. So Zachariah's little experience with an angel is kind of a, a hard one for the priestly leadership. Well, <laughs> I, I read too that it was it was interesting that Zechariah, I guess there's like 20,000 priests and they only need like 58 a day or something. Yeah. And so it was very rare to it, even serve mm-hmm. at the temple, but then to be able to go into the Holy of Holies. So he is very fortunate but at the same time, he's like cursed with barrenness, you know? And so yes, it's like, his family, yeah. it's very frustrating, which kind of talks about the times, you know, mm-hmm. it's a frustrating, confusing time. And then, yeah. And then you're governed by people who don't believe in anything supernatural mm-hmm. and uh, it's more cultural, I guess. And like, just do this and yeah, we serve God. We believe in God, but this this is what, God gave us the earth and this is what we do. And this is what we do. And so then he goes in there and there's an angel again, this time mm-hmm. it's uh, it's Gabriel the archangel and Zechariah has a hard time believing. <laughs> yeah. Not a surprise. It's kind of the theme. And as a result goes deaf. 
not deaf. I'm sorry, mute. mute. He can't speak. Mm-hmm. And um, and then everybody though has a sense because people are outside waiting, and he's in there for a long time. And everybody has a sense that something great happened. And he's also older, and so they're kind of getting nervous. And they're like, oh boy. <laughs> and they can't rush in there because it's only one priest can go into the Holy of yeah. Holies. And they're still remembering uh, Nadab Deb and Abihu. Abihu. They're very concerned. Yes. And so uh, basically comes out and figures out a way to say, mm, we're going to have a baby. Yeah. Uh, the interesting thing I like is when... Zachariah questions the angel's message. Yeah. And the angel's response to his doubt is an affirmation statement of who the angel is, like who Gabriel is. He says, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of the Lord. And so it's just awesome to see he counters Zachariah's doubt with confidence in who he is and who his position with God is, which I love. I love that. And so, uh, as a result, the angel says the Holy Spirit will um, will overshadow you mm-hmm. again, like a cloud. Like God will kind of come over your mm-hmm. body and hover. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, oh wait, no, I just moved to uh, Mary. I knew that sounded like Mary. I was like weird. I was trying to find the verse where. Okay, yeah. Well, anyway, Zechariah is going to give birth to John the predecessor, mm-hmm. and he's going to be set apart for one of these vows we just read about in Leviticus 27. Yeah, he does. Uh, the Yeah, angel gives him and tells him to be, John is going to have a permanent Nazarite vow, which was usually a temporary vow. We'll read about it in uh, Deuteronomy, I believe. And the only other people that are recorded to have permanent Nazarite vows like John were Samuel and Samson. Nice. Anyways, so... Elizabeth comes out of it, and uh, as the wife, Elizabeth, conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. So she's finally feeling blessed with fertility. Cool. Cool. All right. Sorry for introducing Mary a little too early. Yeah, that's all right. No, that's the other thing is Luke highlights women throughout his gospel. Women, children, and the sick. Yeah. A lot of social gospel is in Luke. He cares a lot about that. That's really cool. All right. All right. So thanks, most excellent lover of God. Let's move to Psalm 33, 1 through 11. Shout for joy in the Lord, O you righteous. Praise befits the upright. Give thanks to the Lord of the lyre. Make melody to him with the harp of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully on the strings with loud shouts. For the word of the Lord is upright, and all his work is done in faithfulness. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of steadfast love of the Lord. By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth all their host. He gathers the water of the sea as a heap, and he puts the deeps in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. Boom. You've just been fed by ravens. 
Go in peace and serve the Lord. We will talk to you again next time.